0: Hello and welcome to Feminist Fridays, your weekly intersectional dose of self-empowerment and equality. I'm your host, Sarah Liberty, coming to your airwaves from Sydney. This week, we have a guest who endured a traumatic accident and after being hospitalised for 12 months, went on to found a charity. Her name is Hassia Atherton and her charity Empowered Women in Trades is inspiring 750,000 women to begin their skilled trades apprenticeships. Hassia will be joining us in just a moment from Melbourne. But before we meet her, let's kick off with a track by Iggy Azalea called Work, because our guest is all about supporting others to work on their passion for trades.
1: Walk a mile in these Louboutins. But they don't wear these sh- where I'm from. I'm not hating, I'm just telling you. I'm trying to let you know what the f*** that I've been through. Two feet in a red dirt, school skirt, sugar cane, back lane. Free job took years to save, but I got a ticket on that plane. People got a lot to say, but don't know a thing about where I was made. Or how many floors that I had to scrub just to make it past where I am from. No, no, no money, no family, 16 in the middle of my- All night, trying to get there rich. i been work, 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 working on my sh. Milk the whole game twice. Gotta get it how I live. I've been work, 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 working on my sh. Now get yeah, his work. Hustle and the struggle is the only thing I'm trusting Throw a bread in a mud brick before the budget White chick on a package My passion was running and my dreams weren't coming Guess i gone crazy First deal changed me Rob line, basically raped me, me. the book Like a This Made me mad or inanimate to go at him and even a skull So I went harder Studied to card till the deal was offered Slept cold on the floor recording at four in the morning Now I'm passing the bar like a liar Immigrant or ignorant Your ill intent was insurance from a benefit Hate to be inconsiderate But the industry took my innocence Too late now I'm in this bitch you, you, you know the have this shit get real. Valley girls give them for Louboutins. What you call that? Head over heels. <laughs> no, no, no money, no family. 16 in the middle of Miami. No money, no family. 16 in the middle of Miami. No money, no family. 16 in the middle of Miami. I've been up all night, trying to get that rich. I've been work, 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 work. Working on my sh- make the whole game twice. Gotta get it how I live. I've been work, 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 working on my sh- Now get this it, work. Now get this it, work. Now get this it, work. Now get this work. Working on my sh- Pledge allegiance to the struggle. Ain't been easy, but choose to peace for the weeks we lived out in duffle all so we had to do anything for my mom. I love you. One day I'll pay you back for the sacrifice that you managed to muscle. 16, he sent me the customs of so, All up on my spaceship to Mercury. Turn first at the light that's in front of me. Cause every night I'ma do it like it's my last. This dream is all that I need, cause it's all that I
2: ever had. Now
1: get yeah, his work.
0: Hi Hassia, welcome to Feminist Fridays.
2: Thank you for having me, really excited to be here.
0: Mm, It's my pleasure. So I'd like to start by asking where you grew up and what your early influences were.
2: So, I grew up a bit all over the place. My parents separated when I was quite young. So, my mum moved out to the country and I got to experience the best of the both worlds. My dad lived in the city and my mum out in the country uh, in a place called the Highlands, kind of in between Yea and Seymour in Victoria, rural Victoria. So, my influences, again, were really dynamic and broad. I had my pony honey babe out there in the country and got to do all kind of Fun things that country kids get to do, and then i 've come into my dad's and do more of the city things, going and seeing kind of exhibitions and art and going to movies and doing all that kind of stuff. so I think yeah, very dynamic influences in my childhood
0: so I hear that you 're into welding how did you yes. how did you discover that as a passion? How does someone get into welding? And what type of things do you weld? As you can probably tell, I know very little about this.
2: Yeah. So, it's an interesting passion because I'm an academic. So, I'm an accountant. I'm studying a master's of applied positive psychology. So, when I tell people one of my passions and things I like to do to relax is welding, they were like, where has that come from? (laughs) Completely random. So, our family company uh, manufactures medical infection control equipment, which is a lot of it's made out of stainless steel and metals. So when I was working for the family company, uh, my dad kind of said, now that you've got all this academic experience, you need to learn the company from the ground up and go work in the factory for a couple of months and learn the trades and how we manufacture all the equipment and do everything like that. So I was transitioning in the factory through all the different trades that we employ and I got to the welding bays, put that welding helmet on, those welding gloves and fired up the welder for the very first time and just it literally ignited my passion for it. Um, and now my partner, my husband, he's a farrier. So he brings home old horseshoes and he has a oh. welding machine in his fan. So I get to like just play around making silly things out of horseshoes.
0: That's really awesome so you've got yeah. a family a family background in the trade of um of welding and also you and your partner share the passion that's pretty awesome
2: yeah he's great at kind of teaching me different things around around it and not only welding so he's got a forge and we can put the horseshoes in there and straighten them out into really hot metal and then I can bash them around and make them into different shapes and then them, and then weld them up and everything. So I get to have a good little play uh, with with the metal, which is just, I just love it. I love playing with metal.
0: It sounds like a good outlet for if you, you know, wanted to just let out some steam, you could, you could do it by the welder.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, there's something really, I guess, almost animalistic about it it's hard to explain but you're there and you've got all your welding gear on to keep you safe and the sparks and the fire and the metal and all these kind of elements and you can be so creative and really push different kind of boundaries and there's rules but no rules like I can make the horseshoe into whatever shape I want and weld it and do anything like that as long as I'm playing within the rules of physics it's (laughs) it all all works but sometimes it doesn't work and my world doesn't hold and then it's uh but even when the worlds break or don't hold it creates something really interesting and unique and beautiful and I just find it a way to escape
0: you're making me want to give this a go. <laughs>
2: I'm I'm going to have to
0: look into this. Yes, <laughs> I hear that you're uh, also involved in dressage and equestrian training. I'm I'm a horse rider myself after growing up on the farm and know how complex but also rewarding horse riding can be I just adore horses can you talk um, about your horse riding journey
2: so it started with honey babe when I was seven I got given her uh, for my seventh birthday so your pony is called honey babe yeah my pony honey babe oh my gosh (laughs) what a lovely
0: little name that's wonderful
2: Yeah, she's a little Welsh mountain Shetland pony. So I started having like lessons on her uh, when I was young and the the riding school was putting her up for sale. So my parents bought her for my seventh birthday present. And so I started off in, yeah, Pony Club, jumping hay bales, doing barrel races, doing all good fun things that you do at Pony Club. Pony Club Um, rocks. And then, yeah, Pony Club rocks is the best. (laughs) And... Yeah, from there kind of went more down like show jumping and inventing uh, way of writing as I got older and then got into like adult writers and uh, then EA eventing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually had a bad eventing accident on one of my eventing horses and doctors said, you know, you probably shouldn't be riding anymore. So I went to what I considered a safer version of riding, which was dressage uh-huh. uh, and fell, fell in love with it after, because when I was an inventor, dressage was just something I had to do to get to the fun part, the jumping and everything. But yeah. once I actually started focusing on dressage and learning about it a lot more, I, that was, a form of equestrian sport that I loved more than any other equestrian sport that I ever done, which was really interesting Um, and got just obsessed with it, just so obsessed with the relationship that you have to develop with your horse to get to really high levels of dressage, to be Mm. so in tuned with each other, to make – changes in direction and movement between your weight and the horse's weight within seconds it's just such an intense intimate relationship with your horse with dressage which I didn't really have with my eventing horses that's a lot more I guess adrenaline based you're Mm. fanging through a paddock jumping logs and all that kind of stuff you've got to be in tune with your horse but not to the extent that you do with dressage it's kind of like ballet watching like ballerinas yeah. and how they so in tune with each other without saying anything
0: mm. yeah I was just thinking as you were describing it that you must have to have a very close form of communication um, and it's not verbal communication it's like you mentioned it's shifting weight around and sort of giving the horse different cues yeah very fascinating
2: yeah, it's uh it's it's a beautiful it's a, a very special relationship between a horse and a rider.
0: To the extent that you feel comfortable, can you share with us what happened when you had a major accident during your dressage training? How did that impact your life and how did you fight through the trauma that you endured?
2: It was really intense. So I was training to qualify uh, I was training for an upcoming event to qualify for the World Equestrian Games on my young horse. So she was five and she just had enough of training and I probably shouldn't have pushed her, but I did push her and said, no, we've got to keep going. We've got to get this this thing that we were training on um, right. And she said no and reared up vertically I came off her back and my weight kind of coming up off, off her back. She lost her balance and her back legs just gave way and she came crushing down mm. on top of me. And adrenaline is incredible. So somehow I managed to push her off to the right side so she didn't roll completely all over my body, but she did roll off and really badly break my um, right hip and crush my pelvic bone and did a lot of damage to the right side. And then I managed to flip over onto my tummy and like army crawl out of the way because I knew when she stood up, she was going to trample me as well. So army crawled out of the way and then just collapsed a few meters away. And the pain, it was a pain I could just, I never could describe. Like you couldn't even cry. The pain was just so much. My brain was just trying to process what was going on. And I couldn't feel or move either of my legs. So I thought I'd broken my spine. I was like, that's it. I've broken my spine. I'm dumb. Fortunately, that didn't happen. I got airlifted to Alfred Hospital and they informed me I'd badly broken my um, pelvic, my pelvis, and also my left and right hip had. Severe fractures all through the balls and socket, um, fractures at the bottom of my spine and severe nerve damage to my right leg as well. So they informed me i was going to have to go into about um yeah nine hour surgery but i had to wait a couple of days for the swelling to go down which that was just horrific because they roll you every couple of hours and you can imagine with all those crushed bones and broken bones inside you when they roll you the sound of all the bone broken bones rubbing against each other was just the pain and the sound It's interesting. I don't don't remember the pain as much anymore now, almost five years later. But the sound still makes me feel nauseous, like thinking about it and the sound. Mm, Ugh. Um. Yeah, and and then I woke from that surgery with with the doctors and the medical team kind of informing me that I may never walk again in any meaningful way, and that I need to prepare myself for for life with. Walking frames, crutches, walking sticks, etc., and going from an elite athlete to being told that <laughs> your life's going to be on walking aids was more devastating than any of the pain could ever be. It just it crushed my world. It crushed my identity, um, and I was stuck in a hospital bed, kind of, and just went into really bad depression. Like, yeah, very very deep depression for a long time. And then I came across positive psychology and started. When I was researching pain and understanding how our brains and our bodies interact when it comes to pain, I started coming across a lot of uh, positive psychology and started reading and researching a lot of those kind of interventions to depression uh, and started to pull myself out of a really dark hole.
0: Interesting. Can you tell me a bit more about positive psychology? I haven't heard of that sort of term before.
2: Yeah, so positive psychology... Um, is different to clinical psychology. So clinical psychology is very focused on fixing what's, I guess, for want of a better word, broken or mental illness or what yeah. is ill. Mm-hmm. But positive psychology focuses on how do we thrive as human beings? Okay. So how do we understand our strengths? And everyone can practice positive psychology uh, and it's sort of all around our well being and how do we live to our full potential, our full well being? Mm-hmm. How do we um, lead with empathy and hope and compassion and have all of these incredible skills and resources to look at our holistic well being? Um, And positive psychology very much looks at that holistic well-being of a a human being and all the dynamic systems and how we interact with our environments, our mental models, how we select data, how we add meaning to it, how that influences our behaviours and our actions, um, which is just really powerful once you start understanding all of that.
0: Yeah. Okay. It sounds pretty amazing. And you, you, yeah. you know, you drew on that to really help you kind of fight through the depression that you're facing. I mean, I, I can't imagine, um, going from being, from being an elite athlete to being told that you might not walk again. That must have been absolutely devastating. Um, but it's amazing that you're able to turn that situation around.
2: Yeah, and I went through starting to learn about my strengths. So what was my strengths and one of my strengths is leadership, uh, which I did a lot in in my dressage and a lot of self-leadership to be very um, disciplined to be an athlete and everything like that. So I started looking at, yeah, what are my strengths around creativity, leadership and all those kind of things. And I started to realise, okay, my horses didn't make me who I am. I make me who I am. So, how can I apply these strengths that I have? To, to rebuilding my life and and coming out of this as a as a leader and inspiring other people to see their remarkable strengths and potentials in in their selves and how can I turn all of this into something that is a terrible, terrible, heartbreaking thing that happened, but also my strength to move forward and build a new life.
0: So I understand that when you were in the hospital Um, following your accident, you were fighting through the pain and injuries you sustained and founded a charity dedicated to empowering women in trades. Was that something that you always wanted to do or was it inspired by something that happened as you were recovering from your injuries? Was it sort of inspired by that positive psychology and um, identifying your leadership skills and things like that?
2: Yeah, so it was... The, I guess the start of it happened just before the accident, so putting okay. my academic accounting hat on, I was doing a lot of research into the skill shortage Australia was was seeing and continues to drastically see in trade-based industries mm-hmm. and also the financial hardship of Australian women, both of which have been trending in very... Uh, distressing directions. And i always started to think, why aren't we putting these two things together? Why aren't we giving women financial empowerment and financial freedom by allowing them into trade-based roles and also thus feeling the skill shortage that's out there. And when I started to do some research, talk to women, talk to men in the industry, outside of the industry, this word opportunity kept coming up. A lot of women just said it's not an opportunity for them to enter the trade-based industries. They've been trying to, but people are refusing to employ them. A lot of tradeswomen told me that there was no opportunity for them to progress in the industry, so they've either left or they've gone and started their own business or different things like this. Mm. And that word opportunity just kept coming up and then I lost my opportunity uh, to walk, which is, which is a skill or an opportunity that we think we have a right to access. All of us think we have a right to access walking. Mm. And I also think truly believe women have a right to access career paths that give them financial freedom. And the fact that they were telling me they didn't have this opportunity to what I see as a basic human right and a basic human right that should definitely be awarded to women in Australia, they shouldn't be given anything, but they should have the opportunity to to access financially lucrative career paths in Mm, trades. Yeah. I think I started to channel a lot of my my anger and my pain and my frustration about my life into what was happening in our trade-based industries and how women were trying were being treated and are currently being treated and I got really really angry so I set up the charity to do something about it.
0: <laughs> nice. So can you tell us a little, a little bit about your charity, what it's called and how it works?
2: Yeah, so the charity is called Empowered Women in Trades, yeah. and we work on two sides of the coin. So, there is no point in just attracting women to the industries if the industries is not also doing the work that's needed mm. to change this culture of harassment, bullying, and silencing, which is not only a barrier to entry for women, but it's really affecting the male mental well being in these industries too. And there's a lot of issues going on there. So, one side of the coin is we work with employers and work with male tradies and the industry, again, bringing in all of that post-psych on how do we change this culture and improve it whilst protecting the great things of the mateship, the camaraderie. Uh, We don't want to turn it into a corporate world at all. There's some fantastic things in these industries that do need to be protected, but how do we improve it and make sure everyone is interacting with each other in a respectful way and creating psychological workplace safety for all. So as we work on attracting more women, they're safe physically and mentally in these environments, which is so important. And then on the other side of the coin, at the moment that entry into trades is very complicated and you've kind of got to make a decision. Do you want to be a plumber? Do you want to be an electrician? And they're very siloed. It's, there's not many programs out there that you can go and experience welding, plumbing, electrical, and say fitter and turner mm-hmm. all in one program. You'd have to enroll in literally four different programs. So, right. we've designed our trade academy to have an online component where there's online resources and content and information that we're constantly building. So, so women can explore through watching videos, reading articles, start to understand what's the manufacturing industry versus the construction industry versus the mining industry and what industries they think they'll be interested in. Mm-hmm. Then we have a one-day program called a Tool Skills Day, which combines positive psychology, uh, workshops around mindset. How do you how do you identify self doubt, negative self talk, um, unconscious and conscious biases against yourself? Because society's told women we don't belong in trade. So a lot of women, when they pick up a welder for the first time, and it happened to me, I was like, oh, should I really be doing this? Like, and I thought, why why am I saying this to myself? And it's that kind of subconscious bias that society taught me that I'm a woman, so therefore I shouldn't be welding. I felt really uncomfortable and I was really questioning it. So we go through all of that. So um, when they leave that mindset workshop and actually go into a rotation of three to four different workshops and put their hands on the tools and start joining pipes and learning how to fit off, you know, PowerPoints and all that kind of stuff, when they go into that uncomfortable space, they can really question Where is that coming from? Is that my own belief? Is that society's belief? Is that what I think my dad's going to say or my brother or my uncle or my partner or my friends? And then we bring them back in at the end of that to, again, go through some reflection and really dig through that emotional and mental experience they went through as they were exploring the different traits. Mm -hmm. And then for the women that want to keep going, we go into a more deeper version of that program. We do a whole day of post-psych. Then they spend a whole day in four different trades at TAFE, learning learning the ropes. Then we go out and do employer site visits and they can see the trades in real life mm-hmm. and then the last day of that's a massive networking event with with industry and with people that are looking to employ um, apprentices and willing and open to employing female apprentices and if there's job opportunities and an employer likes a participant and a participant likes an employer fantastic they can go and talk about a trial or signing them up for an apprenticeship.
0: That sounds amazing. It's a real combination of, um, I guess, the psychology and the self-reflection and also getting your hands dirty and, you know, trying new new practical skills. It sounds like a lot of fun. And so to learn a trade, is it generally if you wanted to go down that path through TAFE that you would do that?
2: Yeah, so to start an apprenticeship, it is a little bit complicated. It's a it's a four entity relationship. You've got yourself, the tradesperson. You've got to get an employer that wants to take you on as an apprentice in an employment contract. Then you've got to enrol in the TAFE that is teaching the TAFE or an RTO that's teaching your trade, and then you need what's called an administrator. So like mass. A Mass National is one of these organisations and they kind of administrate those three relationships, those three parties if the apprentice is struggling with something at TAFE Mass can speak to the TAFE or if the apprentice is struggling with their employer, Mass can speak to the employer on their behalf and they kind of look after the apprentice apprentice through that journey. Mm
1: -hmm. But
2: even before that apprentice, there's pre-apprenticeships as well that you can enroll in and that's just enrolling in the TAFE. You don't have to have an employer or mass. So if you're uncertain about it, Uh, but you want to have a bit of a go, you can also enroll in a pre-apprenticeship and and that way you don't have an employer. A lot of women are worried about letting an employer down if they don't enjoy the trade. So, Mm -hmm. for those that are uncertain, I highly recommend doing a pre-apprenticeship first if you're not confident enough and you're really worried about letting down an employer, do that pre-apprenticeship first.
0: Right. Okay. So, women account for only 3% of trades people within Australia and only one woman out of a 100 holds a trade apprenticeship. We've sort mm. of touched on the issue of unconscious bias, but I'm curious to know why you think this is the case.
2: It's a really complicated issue. Mm. You've got, if we look at parents first, so the trade industries have progressed dramatically in the last 20 30 years the stuff that used to happen in manufacturing facilities or out of construction sites when parents were thinking about their career so you know parents in their 30s and 40s and stuff now when they were 16 yeah the industry was was really tough we didn't have the ohs rules that we had now we didn't have the professionalism in the trades that we definitely have now So, when a 16-year-old goes to their parents now, a 16-year-old female saying, I want to do trades, parents are like, absolutely no way, Mm -hmm. because parents haven't been educated on the progression of the industry. So, you've got that um, as well as the unconscious bias around gender stereotyping. Mm. Then you've got the resources in schools. A lot of schools do not have the resources to provide education to their students around trades. and Schools get funding around VCE, art, ATAR, scores, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, a lot of schools focus on encouraging kids to go to university. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's their safe place. Schools are run by academics. Like it's easy for academics to talk about academic career paths. It's uncomfortable for academics to talk about trades. They don't know anything about it. So there's a lack of education for our career counsellors in the schooling system. And then if you look outside of the schooling system, again, it's for for a woman that doesn't have a tradie as her uncle or a father or a brother, how does she get into the industry? Because at the moment, it is a lot of that word of mouth or, oh, my uncle's boss has an apprenticeship going on or things like that. So that network for women, if they don't have a tradie in their own lives, it's very hard for them to enter into it.
0: Mm. It is a complicated issue, and from the facts you shared with me, I understand that the number of women commencing an apprenticeship of any type fell by 12.2% from 2016 to 2020, and women's Mm -hmm. full-time average weekly ordinary earnings are 14% less than men. This is just unacceptable to me. You've also shared, I know. <laughs> yeah, you shared also the fact that the pandemic has had a severe impact on women due to the weak job market um, and lots of women are facing homelessness. How do you yeah. think we can turn this situation around?
2: So especially with a lot of the women that are facing homelessness, they are older than mm, your average yeah. apprentice age. So we're looking at late 30s, early 40s, which doesn't rule them out. For being an apprentice, where the employer struggles is they're obviously on higher wages than a 16 year old. So if you've got a 16 year old in front of you asking for an apprenticeship versus a 36 year old, Employers will often go to the 16 year old. So I think there's a conversation that needs to be had there to the government around financial support for employers to mm. take on mature age women as apprentices yeah. to provide that support. I think it's a very important conversation to turn that tide around the homelessness rate rising among. Older, I say older when you're comparing it to 16 year olds, but yeah. you're, you're, what your employer would say mature age apprentice would be mm-hmm. um, to, to look at doing, doing that. And then it's around, we've got this skill shortage of close to 25% in our manufacturing and trades industry. And I've got women coming to me saying they've applied to 15 different employers and keep getting knocked back. Like, it's just, it's not acceptable. And people do need to get a bit noisy about this. They need to get a bit angry about this. And- pull out that it's actually illegal these people are breaking laws you cannot deny employment based on sex and gender it's yeah. just not right no. and these women should not be denied apprenticeships because they're a woman
0: and so that that's basically what's happening is from your experience yeah. Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. I've had numerous women call up. I've had numerous women call me up and um, be really upset because they were on trial. They got their period while they were on trial. The employer refused to pull over and let them go to the bathroom. So they sat there and you can imagine how mortified they would be. And they were too mortified to go back to their trial the next day. Aww. So they didn't get given their apprenticeship. Yeah, This is the stuff that's happening. And there's sometimes no toilet facilities for the women on site, or there's a portal loo that are, is really disgusting and dirty, or again, they don't have. Are sanitary bins so they're having to put their tampons in their lunch boxes and do or their pockets or things like that oh. like the industry really needs to step up and the government needs to help the industry step up on basic human rights like toilet facilities and sanitary bins yeah. to support women to come into these industries like we're talking about the most basic human rights here yeah Absolutely. Sorry, I get really angry. <laughs> that's
0: okay. We like a bit of anger here at Feminist Fridays. It's okay to have <laughs> to you can express yourself how you wish. So I'm really curious because I've read about your charity and understand that you're assisting seven hundred and fifty thousand women. Um, that's massive. That's our goal,
2: yeah. Okay. So that's your <laughs> we goal. We haven't we haven't done it yet. That's okay. our goal. So for for, for um, to get the number from three three percent up to you kind of 20 25 percent we need to get 750 thousand women nationally into into trades and apprenticeships so that's by 2020 2030 that's how many women I want to see come through the charity and into apprenticeships
0: yeah wow and I'm I'm curious to know with with your charity how Do you know, and you sort of touched on this by sharing some anecdotes of women that you've been speaking to, but how do you know that you're creating the change that you want to see?
2: Well, through the testimonial video that we just put together from our experienced trades, I actually wasn't there when the testimonials were being uh, recorded, and literally a couple of the women said this program's changed our lives, yeah. like it's opened us up to career paths we never even knew. And if you want to go into trades, you don't have to go to a thousand man, a thousand person multiplex site. You can become a gas fitter and work for detector inspector, which means you're driving around to households all day. A lot of these households, you're dealing with women as well, and you've got your own van and doing things like that. There's plenty of fantastic trades roles that are really suited to women, and you don't have to be on massive commercial construction sites. And these women had no idea about this. And they went through the program and they literally, it changed their lives and opened them up to so many career opportunities they never even knew existed.
0: So if I am wanting to, to you know, test out, to learn about getting a career in a, in a trade, how can I get started? Apart from joining one of your programs, your amazing programs, mm-hmm. what are some other things to just, you know, th- the basic starting point?
2: Yeah, so the advice I give people is really go back to the most basics. Do your research and understanding what is the manufacturing industry, what's the construction industry and break that down into commercial construction, civil construction, domestic construction, Uh, what's the mining industry. Again, look at your strengths. Like if you don't enjoy travelling to a different spot every day and driving over down to the Mornington Peninsula and up to the northern suburbs of Melbourne the next week, Construction is probably not going to be the best for you if you like routine and going to the same place and sitting at the same workstation and going through more routine-based work. Manufacturing is going to be a better industry for yourself. So understand the industries and understand your strengths. You like being inside? Do you like being outside? Hmm. Answer all those questions and then narrow down the industries you want to work in, and then look at the trades that are employed in those industries. And again research them because a plumber isn't just a plumber. We've got roofing plumbers, gas fitters, mechanical services, sanitary plumbers, drainage plumbers. So in a lot of the trades, it's almost like there's not just doctors, there's, you know, surgeons that specialise on the heart and the brain. So Mm. once you've worked out your industry and the kind of trade that you're interested, look at the specialisation within that trade and then from there, build up your employment list of employers that uh, focus on that that trade in that industry. And go and ask them, can I have a trial? Can I be a trade assistant? Can I be a labourer? Can I work in this environment somewhere to get a really good understanding of the trades and and if there's any other options out there as well? And just don't rush into an apprenticeship because it is that longer term commitment to the employer, to the TAFE, to everything like that. And just really immerse yourselves in the environment before you make that commitment because then you know you're making the right decision for yourself.
0: Some wonderful advice there. I hope lots of people <laughs> listen to this and are inspired to get involved. So I also wanted to ask, as this is a feminist radio segment and podcast, um, how has feminism been a part of your journey? And I'm an intersectional feminist, so I believe feminism is about equality for all, not, not just women's rights.
2: Yeah, and I love that you said that because I'm so passionate about mental well-being, mm. and I look about bringing those more feminist, uh, I guess, qualities of around compassion and empathy and vulnerability and curiosity. Bringing that into the trade-based environments is really going to turn the tide around a lot of the mental well-being that's happening. So mm-hmm. at the moment, yeah, it's very strong in certain masculine um, characteristics. We need those feminist characteristics in these environments to make the environment psychologically safe for all, and that's yeah. what's lacking is those feministic qualities that mm-hmm. we desperately need.
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Great answer there. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I feel like I could talk to you for a long time because I'm so curious about your charity. But <laughs> I've got one, one more final question. Where can my listeners find you, follow you and connect with you if they want to support the amazing work that you're doing? So feel free to plug your website, any social media profiles and anything else you'd like to hear.
2: Yeah, so our website is ewitrades with an s.com and our social media handles are pretty much the same. So on Instagram it's EWI Trades. We're also on LinkedIn. Uh, So you can search Empowered Women in Trades and that will come up on LinkedIn. And we also tailor our content a lot for those platforms. So if you want to read a lot more like articles and things like that, we post them a lot on LinkedIn. If you want to just see a lot of great tradie ladies out there on the tools, we post that a lot and reshare that on our Instagram. So go follow us on both platforms because there's a variety of content that you won't see if you're just on Instagram.
0: Awesome. It sounds fun. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been absolutely fascinating hearing hearing about your work and your charity and your incredible journey. So it's been a pleasure having
2: you on the show. It's been a delight to talk to you. So thank you so much.
0: Well, we have served you another kick-ass episode of Feminist Fridays for this week. But before you head off, here's a track by Britney called Work Bitch, because today's guest has been all about working on ourselves and smashing the patriarchy. You
1: want a hot You want a body? You want a, body? You, want a mother body? you better work, work, You want a in
2: look hot and a big kitty? You better work,
1: work You wanna live fancy Live in a big mansion Party in France You better work, work You better work, work You better work, work You better work, work Now get to work Now get to work ring it up, ring it up Won't stop now, just be the champion Work it hard like it's a profession. Watch out now, cause here it comes Here comes the special, here comes the master here comes the big beat, big beat to blackout No time to quit now, just time to get it out Pick up what I'm looking down, pick up what I'm looking down You wanna hot buddy, you wanna boot buddy, you wanna Maserati? you better work, work You wanna
0: Lamborghini? sip maltese, look hot in a big kitty,
2: you better work, work you wanna get fancy, live in a big mansion, Party in France? You better walk, walk, You better walk, walk, You better walk, walk, You better walk, walk, Never Oh, break it down, see me calm if you can hear my sound Tell somebody, I'm in your trap Spread the word, spread the word Go call the police, go call the governor I bring the truck home, they'll be in the cover law i make it over law, call me the governor I am the bad bastard, the best that's the governor
1: Hold your head high, fingers to the sky They gon' try to try ya, but they can't deny ya Keep it moving higher, and higher Keep it moving higher, and higher So hold your head high, fingers to the sky Now they don't believe ya, but they gonna need ya Keep it moving higher, and higher
0: Keep it moving higher